Okay, good morning and welcome to the eight. We are in week two of our two-part series titled Skip the Small Talk. Um, just a little review from last week. We talked about um, remembering what the church is all about. So we talked about um, the church is a place for us to gather, to directly connect with God as one body in Christ. Okay, so kind of like knowing what is the purpose of the church. We also read Ephesians chapter 4. St. Paul was talking to the Ephesians, and he gave them these six elements or six virtues in order for them to be able to keep the unity of the Spirit. So in Ephesians chapter 4, St. Paul was telling them, now after the resurrection, there is no segregation between believers and non-believers because now we all have the opportunity at salvation. So now we have something called the unity of the Spirit, something that has already been created and given to us. Now it is our responsibility to preserve that unity between us. It doesn't matter whether you're male, you're female, you're a believer, non-believer. It is our responsibility to keep that unity of the Spirit with us. So in order for us to do that, we need to work on having these six virtues. God never intended for us, for any of us to live the Christian life alone. So I have to understand that as a Christian, I am not expected to live a secluded life without other Christians. So God never intended for any of us to live the Christian life alone. But unity does not mean uniformity. So we are all individuals. We have our own talents. We have our own gifts that we are able to contribute to that body. So even though we're unified, that doesn't mean that we have to be uniform. So last week I said this multiple times that this topic is not complicated. I'm probably saying things that you've heard a hundred million times. But it is a demanding topic. It is a demanding practice for us to keep the unity. It's not just going to happen on its own. So today I'm going to challenge us with rolling up our sleeves and getting dirty and getting a little bit uncomfortable um, with some of the things that we're going to talk about today. So before I talk about anything about how to keep the unity, because um, last week we talked about why. Why should I preserve the unity? The unity. So today we're going to talk about how to do that. But before we talk about how to do that, I want to talk about one of the elements we talked about last week, and that's love. So his, his holiness, Pope Shinoda, the 117th Pope of the Coptic Church, said this. Love is the first of virtues. Nay, it is the conglomeration of all virtues. If you don't have love, you don't have any of the other virtues. It is so difficult for me to be patient without love. It is so difficult for me to be long-suffering without love. Love is so important for us to have in order for all of these other virtues to fall into place. So let's talk about love. In John chapter 15, verse 12, it says, This is my command. Christ is talking here. He's saying, This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Christ love us? How did he love us? In verse chapter 13, it continues and says, Greater love has no one than this, 
than to lay down one's life for his friend. That is what love is. This is not, I love cheeseburgers, or I love that show, or this is a love that will make you give up your own life for someone else. So I understand that we don't see people literally dying for each other every day, but take the example of nurses, or teachers, or in your own marriage, you're having to die to yourself for the interest of the other person, or for those of you who have kids. You go through a lot of self-sacrifice every day in order to make sure that that child is taken care of. So you can still die to yourself and show that same love that Christ asked us about physically actually dying. You're dying to yourself every day when you're showing love to those around you you put them before you. So I want you to ask yourself, are you dying to yourself for others? Am I dying to myself? My ego, my pride, my own interests, and am I going out of my way, out of my own selfish human instinct in order to reconcile with someone that I've hurt or that I've wronged? Are we dying to ourselves as a church for others, for those who are coming and seeking love? I want us to ask God for this love because it's not easy. It's really not easy for to say that I'm going to die to myself in order for me to put others before me, in order for me to love truly like Christ's love. So, I want us to ask God for this love. Ask him often and ask yourself every day at the end of the day, how did I love today? Did I show that person love who cussed me out in while I was driving? Did I show love to that person who was rude to me at store? Ask yourself every day, how am I loving others? How am I showing love unbiasedly and unconditionally to and I think, I mean, it's silly, and I know it's a word that we throw around a lot. Like, I, I loved that movie. Or I love cheeseburgers. Would, Would you, you die, die for it? it? I mean, I know it's silly. It's silly to think, but that's what love is. Would you die for that thing, thing that you're saying you love? So this so far sounds great, great, right? We're talking about love, a word that, you know, we throw around a lot, and it all sounds good. But what does it mean? Okay, what, what does it mean? What, what does it mean for me to have that love and to, for each and every one of us to show that love so that we have a loving church, a loving body of Christ? I want to give you this example. So this is my um, plant corner in my house. Doesn't it look beautiful, if I do say so myself? So this is the only window in my house that gets enough light for plants. So all my plants are gathered here in this window, kind of like the church, okay? That's the one place we can get light from, and so we all gather, okay? So I know it looks nice from the outside, but if we take a closer look at this plant, it still looks nice, right? Still looks beautiful and lush. But actually, if we look on this picture, this is at the back end of the plant, and it's not doing so well because um, 
There are a lot of reasons why plants can have yellowing leaves, but for this plant in particular, as the owner that's been very neglectful, I can let you know that this plant is, it's not, it's, the pot is too small. So the pot is getting too small. It's outgrowing the pot. And so now the plant has to make a decision. It has to figure out which leaves are bringing in more, the most sunlight and the most resources. And any leaves that don't make the cut, the plant starts cutting off resources from that leaf. Like, okay, you're not really doing much for me, so I'm gonna cut you off. And then it starts shriveling up and dying, okay? When we live in a small pot, when we keep our pot small, when we pick and choose who to love, when we close off our hearts, and I only open up the church or my home to believers, or I'm keeping my circle and my clique very small, we're cutting off the supply of life, which is Jesus. So, for me, when I see this in one of my plants, I just cut the leaf and I move on. But this, this, we can see death that's happening here. So what can, what, can, uh, what can we do to avoid this? We can switch the plant to a bigger pot. We can grow our circles. We can open our heart. We can make our love bigger and unbiased. Sorry. Okay, so we need a bigger pot. We need a bigger pot in order for this to not happen, in order for us to not have to pick and choose who is going to be a part of the plant, okay? So what is that bigger pot? That bigger pot is a community. So last week we talked about um, what is the church, the four walls. What's the definition of the four walls that I come to on Sunday? Now I want us to think beyond those four walls. Beyond those four walls is a community, a bigger community. So Christian community is not confined within the boundaries of four walls. So our relationships, our, our connections, and our unity with each other have to go beyond what the church building is. It has to be bigger, okay? And that's when we start talking about community. So we have to be able to break through the boundaries of the church walls in order for us to start building that community. I want you to think about lunches and dinners and text messages and phone calls and all of these things that need to happen outside of Sunday. That's how we start thinking about community. That's how we start thinking about building a bigger pot. There are so many practices and benefits of building a Christian community, but I wanna challenge us with three today, okay? I just wanna challenge us with three. The first one is continuing conversations. So I'm just gonna make this very blunt statement. We will not build relationships in the church, but you can start building them on your calendar. What do I mean about that? You only have 20 minutes between the liturgy and the eight. And if somebody is coming directly to the eight, they're just coming out from, we don't know what happened before that time. You know, they just got into a fight or they're been stuck in traffic, whatever. Okay? 
It's a very small amount of time for us to just talk, small talk. I, I, I get it. I get that that's what's going to happen during that time. It's going to be small talk. But what's happening beyond that? What's the continuing conversations of what's happening in that 20 minutes between liturgy or as somebody's running into the door? What's the continuation of that? I get sitting in these seats, hearing what I'm saying, and it sounds so good, and it sounds so nice. And as soon as we leave the doors, it's like we completely forget what happens. We get bombarded by the week. We get bombarded by stuff. Please, please put things on the calendar. Instead of saying, we really need to get together. If I had a dollar for every time I said or I heard, we really, really need to get, get together, it doesn't happen. Please pull out your phone and say, let's put it on the calendar now. Let's put it on the calendar. Let's schedule something right now. If it doesn't go on the calendar, it's not going to happen. We hear about so many things that... In, pass, in passing, my friend just passed away or I'm having a hard time at work. What can, we can't get into it here. The aid is about to start. The countdown happens. Like, I can't get into it here. There needs to be a continued conversation of what happens during the small talk between us. Okay? I know, I know what you're going through. Let's, let's sit down this week and talk about it. I... I I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Let, I would like to be a support for you this week. Let's get something on the calendar, have lunch or something. Continue the conversation of what's happening in that small talk. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you no small talk from now on, but there has to be something that's happening beyond that small talk. So, number one, continue conversation. So Christian community is the place of our continuing conversation. And we said the community is beyond these walls. It has to happen outside of Sunday. Number two, know what to say. Okay, I know there's like a million and one scenarios that can happen and what somebody says to you and how you should respond. Just please take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. This is just my experiences and what I've heard from friends and family about things that we say that doesn't it, it, it we don't say it to mean any harm but in the midst of small talk especially especially if you don't have a relationship with that person it could have come across as not offensive but it, it hurts that person because of what they're going through or whatever so I just have like some suggestions of certain scenarios and what we should say instead of the go-to things that we say, okay? So number one, when someone hasn't been to church in a while, okay, when someone hasn't been to church in a while, our initial reaction of what we want to say, where have you been? We haven't seen you in forever. You don't know what that person has been through up until that point since you last saw them. You don't know what that person is going through. I know it's so, like, we want them to know that we recognize that they haven't been at church, but this could be a little, like, too much for someone who's been going through so much, and now they're finally trying to come back, and then we say, where have you been? Like, maybe they don't want to get into where they've been. Like, 
And, and, and by the way, some people, they might come and you can just say hi to them and then they just start giving you all these excuses because they already know. They already, they already know they haven't been to church in forever. We, we don't need to be there to remind them. So instead, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy that you're here today. Are you going to be attending the 8? I would love to sit with you if you're going to attend the 8. Make them feel welcome as if they're coming to your house. Okay, not an inter this is not an interrogation time, especially for someone who hasn't been here for a while. Okay, number two, when someone says something that you don't agree with or that's like against the truth, like we all know that there is a, a truth, like dogmatic truth. If someone says something against that, our reaction is gonna be the difference between them hearing what you have to say after your reaction, okay? So instead of, do you really think that? I cannot believe you just said that. Are you sure you really think? Like, instead of jumping the gun on making them feel bad, that's an, in, you, this is what you can say. That's an interesting point of view. How did you get to that conclusion? Ask questions. Try to understand from their point of view where they got these ideas from. Maybe they heard it from another church, or maybe that's how they were raised. Try to make them feel like you are interested in what their thoughts and ideas are. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with them, but you do have to remember those virtues of being, having forbearance, having gentleness, to meet them where they are, and that includes in their thoughts. Again, that doesn't mean that you agree with them, but there is no way you're going to convince them or to get them to hear what you have to say if your reaction is not gentle and understanding from the beginning. Okay, last example. When someone new comes to church. So the video that didn't play before this, there was something happened and I couldn't show it, but there was like there's like a lot of scenarios where we can be a little bit too much like in people's face but I want us to Kind of be too much in people's face when somebody when you see somebody new we need to be like flies on honey when somebody new comes Okay, don't leave them alone for one second do not leave them alone. Make them feel, if you, if you invited somebody to your house, you would not leave them in the corner without talking to them or offering your whole kitchen, okay? We're Egyptian, I know, I know how it goes. Like, imagine if somebody's coming to your house to visit you, what would you do? Would you just leave them without offering them coffee or offering them, how are you? It's so nice to see you you wouldn't do that. So I want us to have that idea in our head that you are welcoming someone in your home. You're welcoming someone into your father's home. So it should be taken very seriously when you see a new face. We should all be running. Do not, do not leave it up to somebody else. We should all be trying to meet that person. Offer them information about the eight, our second service, what's happening where they live and what they do for a living and all of that, that's going to come later with relationships. That, that, that's not in the initial greeting, okay? We're here to greet people who come to our home, who are here to come to our father's home. That's what we're here to do. We're here to welcome people to our home.
I just want to take this time. I, I was going to not include this, but I'm feeling like I need to include it. Um, the reason why I'm so passionate about this topic is because I've seen family members in my own family who no longer come to the church because of how they are treated by people in the church. And it's very sad. That's the reason why I said last week, shame on us, shame on me. If I stand in the way of anybody coming to church to meet with their father, no matter where they are, no matter why they're here, no matter how they act when they're here. So I have these examples in my personal family that I know of. Something happened to me too. Um, and when I was in middle school, going into high school, my dad actually was a contractor in Iraq and Kuwait, and he was, he was gone for four years. So pretty much during like the most confusing, most difficult time of puberty, I just had my mom, and we were doing a whole bunch of things, and I didn't have my dad. And people that I never even knew came to the church would come up to me and be like, how is your dad doing? And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. Like, and you want to just come and pry information about how is my dad doing? And so it really got me to think, like, what, where is the relationship of this? Where is beyond the small talk of, like, just wanting to pry out information from each other? So this is, like, very personal to me to really want to get beyond this small talk and this superficial level with each other. How can we go deeper beyond just what happens on Sunday, just beyond what you hear and then you want to talk to somebody about just quickly in passing on Sunday. Okay, so number one was continuing conversation. Number two was know what to say. And number three is my personal favorite, so I left, I left the, the best for last, is to supply a prayer warrior. And I cannot take credit for this. Um, the only reason why I can stand here and say this is such an important part of our relationship together is because of Father Luke, the late Father Luke. He was such a prayer warrior for me. And when he passed, I'm, or not even when he passed, when his sickness got too much, I felt like, who's going to pray for us now, you know, like, so I really made, I really felt like we have to be that, like, I, so I'm really taking his example and making, I want us to all make prayer warriors out of ourselves, because when you have somebody that prays for you, you want to give that to somebody else, trust me, trust me, it's so powerful, so in let, let's read about the power of praying for each other in James chapter 5. It says, confess your trespasses to one another. I'm just going to stop right there. Confess your trespasses. This is the opposite of small talk, okay? Like, St. James here is saying, skip the small talk, okay? Confess your trespasses to one another. Confess your griefs What's burdening your heart? These are the things that we should be talking to each other about, not small talk. And pray for one another. 
why should we do this? That you may be healed. There is healing in praying for each other. There is healing in confessing our trespasses to each other, to go deeper in our conversations with one another. There is healing in that, not only for the person, but for you. Especially if I can't stand someone. A spouse, maybe. <laughs> like, I really, really can't stand you right now. <laughs> Please, in that moment, pray for them. Like, it, it's literally like a miracle. And it's funny, because like when my father of confession tells me, you need to pray for them, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm telling you I can't stand them, and you're telling me pray for them? It's literally a miracle. Like, if you just, I don't know if it's like magic on you or magic on that person, but like, you're gonna see stuff that's happening like, what in the world? And there is no other thing that you can trace it back to other than that prayer that you said in that moment. Forgive me for what I'm about to say, but if you don't really want somebody to pray for you, please don't say pray for me. Please. Like, I know we just say it to just get people to stop talking. Like, just pray for me. Just, pray. just please don't say it if you don't mean it from your heart. And on the opposite side, if somebody says pray for me, don't say I will pray for you if you're not really going to pray for them. Like, this is how serious we need to take this. Like, this is how serious I am about this point. It's such a serious thing. If you don't want somebody to pray for you, don't say pray for me. And don't tell somebody that you're going to pray for them if you're not really going to pray for them. It's such a powerful tool that we've been given, and we shouldn't just take it for granted. We shouldn't just use it as a shield to get people to leave us alone. Okay? Why am I making such a big deal about this? The verse continues in chapter 5, verse 16. The effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. The fervent prayer. What does fervent mean? Having or displaying a passionate intensity. I hope you guys feel my passionate intensity here. Like, fervent. A fervent prayer with all your heart of a righteous man. Why are you praying for that person? Is it for your own personal gain? Going back to that spouse thing. Are you just wanting to get something out of it and that's the reason why you're praying for them? Or are you praying because you really want God to be in the midst of that conflict that's happening? Is it out of love for that person without anything coming out of it? That's the prayer of a righteous man. Please, please skip the small talk. And if you have nothing to say, pray for that person. The best gift that you can give someone is to pray for them. So I don't want us to look pretty on the outside. Just pretty, blue, green, lush, pretty on the outside. And on the inside, we're cutting people off. On the inside, we're picking and choosing who can be in our cliques. I don't want us to stay comfortable, come and leave on Sunday after Sunday, just making small talk and, and not continuing the conversations beyond these four walls. 
Be yourself. I'm not asking you to be someone else. I want you to be yourself. And, and please don't say I'm an introvert and I can't talk. There's no bigger introvert than me. Like, I'd rather be under a blanket in my house. Okay, trust me. I understand about being an introvert. But this is not about what you want. This is about what God wants us to do. This is about what our responsibility is as a Christian community. This is our responsibility. Once you know something is your responsibility, you don't have to be there right away, but ask God to help you get there. Ask God to help you get there. All he wants is your willing heart to want to get there. You don't have to be there today. Christ didn't let several social stigmas stop him from outwardly speaking to the Samaritan woman. And guess what? It was not small talk. He told her all that she had done. It was not small talk. Someone that he had never met before and someone that he shouldn't even have been speaking to because of social norms. And he didn't talk and small talk but he did it kindly he did it gently and he did it in a way that she received it and it completely changed her life imagine the lives that we can change imagine how your life will change if you just skip the small talk and continue conversation continue to go deeper and to want to build those relationships outside of these walls if we keep all of this in our heart if we understand what kind of love we should have for one another, then nothing else is gonna matter. Not the fact that I'm an introvert, not the fact that I don't know what to say, none of that is gonna matter. All that's gonna matter is that I have love for that person and I want them to be welcomed here. And, and I'm gonna be beyond the small talk, let's put something on the calendar, let's meet. Let's start building relationships with those that are going through the same things that we are. We can help each other. So one last time, please, please skip the small talk and let's try our best to continue conversations. Let's build that community that's so big that it's all inclusive, full of love, unbiased and unconditional. Let's stand up to pray. the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, O Lord, so much for bringing us to this place. We thank you so much for giving us a place where we can gather together to connect directly with you on a personal level. We thank you so much for giving us each other in this body. We thank you so much for giving us this responsibility to preserve the unity of the Spirit, to have the opportunity to bring so many to know you as their own personal father and savior we ask for you to continue to strengthen us enlighten our hearts and give us the willingness to get out of our comfort zone in order for us to connect everyone to you help us keep the goal in front of us help us be able to stretch our hearts full of love for everyone around us we ask you to continue to guide this church, continue to guide us to be a light for all who are seeking you. We ask all these things through the intercession of St. Mary, St. Moses the Strong, St. John, St. Mark, and all your saints. Hear us as we pray together, thankfully, our Father who art in heaven.
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 